my little brother took off running and mom had to chase him because he said, mommy, on TV, when people have a sheet on him, they died. And he was so afraid. But dad came right over. He said, I pushed the sheet away. And he said, Stephanie, he just yelled my name out. And I opened my eyes and I looked down and I said, hi, daddy. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. And wow, do we have a very unusual show today. Yes, we do. Because of the guest that we're going to introduce you. She's not unusual. She's unusual. She's she's very special. We saw her her preaching. But the word unusual unusual for someone's mind is like. (laughs) She's unusually gifted and and I believe anointed. (laughs) And uh, and she's going to share an incredible story with you in just a moment or two here. But lately, Wendy and I have been dealing with the whole area of death. We've had a couple of friends who've died recently. That's been really difficult. Yeah. Know a couple of people who are in, in, in a tough situation right now. And as you and I have been That have been given just months. Yeah, exactly. That's the tough situation. Yeah. As you and I have been kind of processing this and talking about this, it obviously brings us to the point of asking, so are we ready to die? I'll just be really transparent. I, Lord, I don't want to go home. And Which then is I have to weird like, to say yeah, that. Because of what awaits us on the other side. We're right. going to hear more about that through. But the fear the of dying or the fear around just leaving this world and leaving people behind and what that looks like and the unknown. And anyway, we just, we've just been having a lot of these conversations. Because I don't think we deal a lot with that in our daily lives. No. We're not really addressing that. We're sidestepping yeah. it. But, but we did read that book, which we've mentioned on this podcast yes. before. I think it's called Experiencing Heaven. or yeah. It's about a lot of NDEs, near-death experiences. And that's one of the things that we'll talk about here on this podcast with our guest and her NDE, oh, which is amazing how God is so faithful and uh, really just, you will be very encouraged when you hear her story. Yeah. Yeah. Who is her? Her is Stephanie, (laughs) Stephanie Besh. She has a ministry and for 29 years, she's been speaking at conferences, events, and churches. And she is currently a women's pastor at City Point Northern Colorado Church in Loveland, Colorado, as well as a co-host for God's View TV show. And Stephanie has been married to her husband, David, for 35 years, and they have three sons and two daughter-in-laws. And in her spare time, she enjoys spending time with her family in the mountains, reading and having a good cup of coffee. She enjoys her testimony. She shares, and she probably enjoys it too, but she shares her testimony of how God raised her from the dead. Hang on. Uh Uh-huh. Just let that raise her from the dead. At the age of 13, from a drowning accident, along with how God set her free from fear and brokenness. So welcome to your biggest breakthrough, Stephanie. I know those of you listening, you're going to be blessed beyond blessed. Yeah. So happy to have you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor and a blessing. And I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do. You know what? Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the smile on her face, and you can hear it in her voice, and she's just happy to be alive. And you can see how <laughs> yeah. she lights up in the spirit. 
And thank you, Stephanie, for being willing to come on the show and be authentic and real and just share your heart and what the Holy Spirit has in store. Stephanie, we're, we're going to dive in just a moment to what happened to you at age 13 when you had this near-death experience. Actually, I was going to say no pun death. intended. You said dive in. I can't believe you said uh, that. <laughs> Sorry, we got to be funny a little bit That's on this awesome. too. <laughs> because and it involves a pool and drowning. And, okay. But listen, before we get there, what, so tell us a little bit about the very start of your life. What sort of a home were you raised in? What was your childhood like? Kind of lead us up to that point of where you were at age 13. Yeah. So my mom grew up old time Pentecost. My, but yet her daddy was, her mom was Lutheran. So she, and they both went to different churches. So it gave her a different dynamic. And then my dad didn't know the Lord until he met my mom. And once he met my mom, my, my mom's, my grandpa, my mom's dad led my dad to the Lord. And that began the journey. And when that happened, though, my dad was so captivated by the love of Jesus and what he felt and that it was real. He had cried out to God. He was in a hard place. And he said, God, bring me someone. If you're real, bring me someone who will take me to church. That was his prayer because that's what he knew. And he met my mom. And so they began their journey and they decided that what they came out of, because every family has wonderful things, every family has dysfunction. So they wanted to, mom used to always say, take the bad and leave it there. Take the good and make it better. And then she would teach me, the only thing you can take to heaven with you are people. So you better love them well and take them with you. And that began a foundation for them. And they changed the DNA, the generations, for me and my two younger brothers. And my dad began to really seek the Lord on his own, find out who the Holy Spirit was, all of that. And so bringing all that, I, then I came into existence, and I was born in Denver, Colorado. So I'm a native, native of Colorado. And then for about 12 years of that, we lived in Kansas and then back to Colorado. So that's I grew up in a Christian home. Yeah, I just love I love the fact that the words that you use change the DNA mm-hmm. in our family. And I just started with one person, your mother. And I don't know guys who pray, oh, God, if you're <laughs> real, bring me a wife and take will take me to church. Yeah, <laughs> our <laughs> prayer. Yeah, he was so broken, though. Oh, he told me that he said it was yeah. so broken. And I just wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's powerful. That's cool. And but what you just said, Todd, reinforcing what you said, Stephanie, about changing the DNA. I think sometimes yeah. maybe someone even listening is thinking, this just runs in my family. This is the just is just the lineage that I've been born into. This is just gonna have to be the way my life is. And that's not true. We can stop the generational curse, so to speak, by 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 stepping into all that God has for us. And so way to go, dad and mom. Amen. Yeah. So. And the foundation that, that your parents were laying for you. To build on, T- tell tell us again what was the phrase that she used in your life? If it's, I got to write this I've down. Right this is good. So she yeah. said, "Take the bad and okay. leave it there. Take the good and make it better." So good. It is yeah. so good. And, and then she would say, the, "The only thing you can take to heaven with you are people. So you better love them well and take them with you." Yeah, oh, this is like definitely. such a simple, solid philosophy. People, you can raise your family with just those three principles. Yeah, and they lived Beautiful. it, but they fought for it. Yeah. They lived it, but they fought for it. Because yeah. as we know, when you're changing patterns and things, sometimes you got to fight for it. <laughs> got to fight the good fight. That's yeah. so true, Stephanie. Yeah. And Todd and I were in our prayer chairs this morning and we were reading in First John and we were literally talking about worldly things and what is what's keeping us here and why are we not seeing the eternal like we really do desire 
to see, but it's because of the people, like you just said. It's leaving the worldly stuff here. That's not what we're focused on. I think the reason it's harder for us in a weird way to experience the eternity, uh, eternal life is because of the people. And so we can take them with us. And that's the message right there. And that's how you shift it and spin it. It's yeah, we take them with us. So Stephanie, you had this great foundation. You're 12 years old. Tell us uh, about this incident that occurred after what is your age 13, I think. Yes. So mom and dad had decided that they needed a change and they had just been seeking the Lord and didn't know what that was, just felt it in their spirit. As they prayed, they took a trip to Colorado. And what we didn't know, me and my two younger brothers, is that dad took a new job. So they were out looking at churches, looking at homes back in Colorado, because at this point we had moved to Dodge City, Kansas. And that's where I lived for 12 years. So July 28th, mom and dad come back. It's a Saturday sit me and my brothers down and say, we're going to be moving in two weeks to Colorado. And when you're a teenager, that is a big deal. It is a big deal. So next day was Sunday, July 29th, 1979. And it was church day. We never missed. It was just something that I was brought up in. There was not a choice in that. Now I'm very grateful. Some days I was grumpy, right? But we went to church and I told the the teenagers, my youth group, listen, we're moving in two weeks. And we just stared at each other. This was a big thing and decided let's have a pool party after church if our parents will let us. So we all went to our parents. They said yes, in light of what was going on. But what I love is that Sunday morning in church, the pastor had just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I feel like there's a heaviness here or something where somebody needs extra prayer, basically. And My dad heard the still small voice of the Holy Spirit say, that's you. And so he raised his hand. And as the pastor said, gather around. My mom played the piano. I grew up in a small assembly of God church. And my mom played the piano. And she remembers thinking as dad raised his hand, we're moving in two weeks. This is a big deal. We're leaving our family, our church family. So they prayed, but little did we know what was going to happen. So after church, The older teenagers went, picked all of us up because of the ones that can drive. And it was a 30-minute drive to a pool in Jetmore, Kansas. Dodge City, where we live, the pool was closed for construction. So we made that trek. And back then, that was before GPS and all of that, winding roads. They've fixed all that today. But as we got there, we ran in, threw our towels down. It was a hot day in Kansas. So they did let extra people in. But kids aren't concerned with that. The parents didn't go with us. So we're running around, and Tammy, one of the girls that I grew up with, went over to the deep end, which was 10 foot deep. And we were just standing on the ledge, and a friend of ours was just pushing us in, just playing. Nobody was getting hurt, but then at a public pool, though, the lifeguards will blow a whistle on the hour, and everybody gets out for 10 minutes. They check the pool 10 minutes later. That's what happens. We ran back to our towels. They blew the whistle. We waited 10 minutes, blew the whistle again, and we ran right back over to the edge of the 10-foot deep end. But as we were, this time we didn't know that he was coming up behind us to push us in again. And when he did, Tammy flew out into the water. I did as well, but my head snapped back, and I hit the side of my head on the cement ledge of the pool, and it knocked me out. But nobody saw. It It was the kind of hit that I didn't even yell out. And my body slipped down into the water. 
So as she got out, she looked around. I was a very shy person back in the day before God delivered me of fear. And so I never went very far from anybody that I was with, but she turned around looking for me because I hadn't shown up. And what she saw is my body was face down on top of the water, just doing some like that with all the commotion and the kids swimming. So it looked like I was swimming to the other side. But instead, I was knocked out, and the pull of the drain was actually so strong, and and the air had been knocked out that it sucked me down. And it was 10 foot deep, and on the bottom of that pool, there's a square cutout right as probably about four by four, because I've gone back and looked at it and taken pictures, where my body sunk down into, and I stayed there. But nobody saw. And after I didn't show up, though, she ran over to the lifeguard and said, something's wrong. I can't find my friend. I saw her swimming. And the lifeguard literally said, "I'm if somebody would have needed help, I would have seen it. I would have heard it. There's a lot of people here. Go search for her. So she took off and went to the older teenagers that were with us, and they made a plan. And I cry because both my mom and dad are in heaven now, and the pastors that were there We just lost his wife this week, and it's real. But they were there for such a time as this, and now she's dancing on the streets of gold with my parents. But her two daughters, their two daughters were there. And they decided, made a plan that they would go and search for me. So they literally started yelling my name. And Lori, one of the pastor's daughters, said she remembers not no one answering and that something just was wrong. She could feel it in her spirit. But they searched the circumference of the pool. They went outside the fencing. They went around the pool. They went to the baby pool, the concession stand, the restrooms. Somebody told my dad that they went up on the roof because kids would climb up there to lay out. And when I didn't show up, Tammy continued to go and contend with the lifeguard. And she continued to say, you'll find her. Keep looking. And But during this time, a young man was standing and watching, and he was listening and watching the whole thing, because they had gotten the attention by yelling my name out. And Sherry, the other pastor's daughter, said, I ha- I know something's wrong. I'm going to start diving into the pool. So she began, she went over the deep end, and she began to dive in. And finally, at one point, she got to the bottom, and she actually said that she touched me. She's that's her. I'm sure that's her. And she came up to the surface and yelled, she's down there. I know that's her. I know she's down there. And the young man that was listening dove in. He said, I think I know where she's at. And he dove in and he was able to actually get me. And he said that I was literally stuck to the drain, curled up in like a fetal position, just laying there. And he brought me to the surface. And Dan, one of the other young men from the youth group, was able to reach down in and pull my body out. And as soon as he did, of course, we can imagine the commotion. And they said the lifeguard jumped into the water and she was just frantic because she didn't believe them. And I still pray for her to this day Mm. because of what she experienced. But Dan told my parents he knew and he told everybody she's gone. She's dead. There's no life in her. So they laid me out on the cement and tried to administer mouth to mouth. But Julie, one of the girls in the youth group as well, said as soon as they lifted me out and they realized that I was gone, The only thing she said she knew to do is call on the name of Jesus. And we know that Jesus is the name above all names. And when we speak his name, 
Satan has to flee. The enemy has no rights. He's life and life more abundantly. And so they began, my small youth group began to just say, there were seven of them, began to just say the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, why it went silent at that pool. And Tammy ran over and she called my parents and my dad answered the phone. And he told me over and over again, he said, Stephanie, he said, I still can't believe to this day that when I heard her voice just crying out saying, they found Stephanie on the bottom of the pool. She's not breathing. In fact, she's dead, but you got to come. And at that point, she couldn't talk. And the lady, she handed the phone to the lady working behind the counter. She grabbed it. And so she told my dad, yep, it is true. They found her. She isn't breathing. They say she's dead, but they're going to take her to the hospital. And the thing about this town was it was a town of 300. And so the hospital was half nursing home, half hospital. Mm. So when they called the main doctor, he was actually on the golf course. And he said, there's nothing I can do. I'm not going to come in. And if she does live there, she will be a vegetable. There will be no life in her. So they continued to just... Real quick, yes. how long were you in the water? How long had you drowned? So they had told my parents at least 30 minutes. 30 uh, because minutes? Because of the search, by the time that they saw my body floating across, gone, the search party, and then decided we've got to do something, they say at least 30 minutes. Oh, wow. And my. so when you had sunk to the bottom and you were over that kind of that drain plate curled up, so I'm guessing people couldn't see you because you're too far down. You landed in and there's turbulence in the water with everybody swimming. So it's, you're not on the bottom of the pool because we can't see you. Exactly. And, wow. and so the kids were swimming and playing tag and just mm, moving. Yeah. And because it's sunk down in the bottom, it was as if somebody was just swimming along the bottom to go to the other side huh. or hiding. I don't know. And 10 foot deep is pretty deep for most mm. kids. Yeah. 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 That, you can't even okay, that's, 30 minutes. No, that's like a mind blower. So and you the fact that you're were, here talking with us today after 30 minutes. Yeah. Your body had absolutely no Oxygen, life, no life yep. in it whatsoever. And your friends are calling out on the name of Jesus. Your dad just get the, gets the news and he's going to rush off to the hospital. What happened next? So they called the ambulance and it had actually come from the mortuary. So they didn't even have oxygen. I know. I just, I, I could get stuck there because God is so faithful. But they covered me up and put me in the ambulance. And Sherry, one of the pastor's daughters, rode with me. And she said, when somebody drowns, you've got to roll them on their side. And honestly, I don't know if life came in me, if I was breathing, if nobody has ever said or knows that part of it. So they rolled me on my side, started messing with me, doing things like that, got to the hospital, wheeled me in, and really didn't know what to do. So they kept me in the hallway. And my and at this point, mom and dad got the phone call. They called the pastors. They called our best friends who are still Ted and Becky Webster. They're my second parents, and I'm so grateful for them. Called them and some others to spread the word, start praying loaded my two brothers up. And I, I like to share this part because it's so important. There was a lady in our church named Shirley Wiley, and she had come to the church. Mom and dad embraced them and loved on them. They were newer and going through a lot of things in their life. But what they found out is Shirley was a mighty intercessor and she could sing. 
And so mom played the piano. So she was arriving at our house at the same time they were coming out to, to load up to practice for Sunday service at night. So she was going to sing for a special. Mom was going to play. But instead, she met my parents, heard what was going on, and she just looked at them and said, I'm going to go in your house. I'm going to declare life. I'm going to pray over Stephanie's brain. She's going to live and not die. And I'm going to pray and intercede until I hear the good news. So she's told me, I've talked with her, and she told me that she walked the floor and she wouldn't quit. She just prayed and began to declare those things out. And the body of Christ, we're so needed. We must love one another. We must forget the stuff and love one another because in times like this, thank God my parents loved. Thanks, thank God Shirley loved because that's what it's about. And they were all praying. And so that was going on. Mom and dad began the drive. And of course, like I said, that was before we have what we can, our technology now. So they're driving on a back road. They know where the pool is, but they don't know where the hospital is. And mom is worried and she's praying. And she remembers thinking, God, if you can't do a full miracle, if this won't be life, let her go be with you because that would be more life. And that's just where she was at. This was her daughter. But my dad, mom said that he was beating the dashboard as he drove, beating the steering wheel and screaming out to God, calling him faithful. And he said, I heard your voice this morning, Holy Spirit. You told me to raise my hand and pray. And I covered my family with the blood of Jesus this morning. My daughter will live and not die. She'll live and not die. And he would not quit. But mom prayed, Lord, we don't know where we're going. And I mentioned Ted and Becky Webster, my second parents. Mom said she looked in the side mirror and she saw a truck coming extremely fast. And she even thought to herself, who could be going faster than us at a time like this? But it was Ted and Becky. And they passed mom and dad because they knew that area and they led the way. And I always like to say when the path isn't straight, it's crooked. And when it's foggy, like when you're driving in fog, you can't see where you're going, what's in front of you. God is the light and he shines in the darkness and he will always make the crooked path straight. And that's what he did for my parents and for me. But unity and prayer. And so they continued to drive. Once they arrived, mom and dad came in, my brothers came in, and my little brother took off running, and mom had to chase him because he said, Mommy, on TV, when people have a sheet on them, they died. And he was so afraid, but dad came right over. He said, I pushed the sheet away, and he said, Stephanie. He just yelled my name out. And I opened my eyes, and I looked at him, and I said, Hi, Daddy. And it, I know I will never forget that. I'll never forget hearing my dad look at me and tell me that he called my name because that's what our Heavenly Father does. Yeah, yeah. He named us. We're known oh, wow. before the foundations of the earth. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. All her days I, are written. I can't help but think about Jesus calling out the name Lazarus after three days. Can miracles like that happen? No, only back in Jesus' day. You're listening to a miracle story of someone who was dead for 30 minutes and seemingly no hope. I know there are people wondering, where were you at during that time? You're dead, but you're not dead. Your body's dead. So what was going on inside your spirit? Or what do you remember? You? Yeah. What? Oh, my goodness. I can tell you that just growing up in church, 
I have to share this because a few weeks prior to this happening, I had thrown up being a teenager growing up in church. You know the love of Jesus. You see the love of Jesus, but you're also a, you're a person and you're plus I'm a teen and I'm going, God, how real, really, how are you? You know, do you love everybody the same? How do you see me? I'm just this shy person in the middle of Kansas do you really love me every day? Do you see me? And Stephanie, I, I got to stop you for a moment because I'm just thinking, boy, how many of us question God from time to time? Do you really love me? And how do I know if you see me? Yeah. And, it's, and especially the young people today, yeah. there are times I think they're almost tormented by not knowing. So here you are at age 13 and you're asking God those questions and you want to know. So what happened? So I left it there. And I moved on, and I'm going to say this, growing up in church, there was an element, at least for me and in, in some of the teachings and stuff that made me afraid. And mm -hmm. so I used to always think right before I die, whenever that is, I will scream out to Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Please love me. Let me into heaven, basically. <laughs> yeah, like, how many people <laughs> have had that similar Seriously. upbringing in the church? Yeah. <laughs> And so that's the way I just, that's what I did. I remember thinking that. So now we're coming up to a point where I had been under the water for 30 minutes and Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same Jesus that did miracles and listened to us and is the good shepherd and watches over us is still here today. And he was still working that day. And I love that he never changes, even though our circumstances change. So here I am on the bottom of the pool going through this journey. When I was on the bottom of the pool, the Word of God tells us that when we die, we will be with Him. Like when He comes back for us in a snap of a finger, basically, we'll, we will be with Him. But I, and we're soul and spirit. And so I saw my body laying on the bottom of the pool and my spirit left. And He let me see through his eyes, because of the question that I asked him. And as I watched, what was interesting is the elements of the water didn't touch me. I was dry. So I had really long hair and I just looked normal as if I was walking on a sidewalk, but I was actually walking on the bottom of the pool. And I walked over to the silver stairs and I walked up the silver stairs that I would climb in and out the ladder to get in and out of the water. And as I guess as soon as I climbed off of that ladder, just like that. I went through the atmosphere. For me, it was like flying through space. And I'm telling you, there was no fear. There was no sorrow. I was so safe. And in John 10, it tells us that when we know Jesus, our good shepherd, that we're tucked in the Father's hand and that nothing can snatch us out. And that's where I was because I ended up being before the gates of heaven. And really what I could see was his glory. To me, that's the only way I can explain it. There were colors that were beyond colors and they were brilliant. And the feeling of his perfect love, if we could get 1 John 4.18, if we could get his perfect love here on earth, oh my goodness, because his love was so and I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have words to this day to explain what I felt. 
but I was literally in the palm of God's hand where nothing could snatch me out. But this answered a question about if we give our heart to Jesus, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, that it really happens. Because here I am in the palm of his hand before the gates of heaven and Satan comes and he says, Stephanie, he said, basically, you're coming with me. And the Lord said, no, she's not. And I heard it again. She's coming with me. And then I heard, no, she's not. And one more time, he tried to make it. You know how the enemy's voice can be so loud when life is just rough and you think if he would just be silent, if the noise would shut up, I could hear God's voice. I can tell you that if we call in the name of Jesus, we will hear God's voice. And he said it one more time, you're coming with me. And the Lord said, no, it's not our time yet. But when it is, she'll be with me. And in a snap of a finger, I went from being in the palm of his hand, ready to walk into heaven, down into my body again, hearing my dad yell my name and opening my eyes. And in slow motion, as if you were in a movie and it was slowed down, my youth group, all my friends, church family were standing around, weeping, staring. And I remember thinking, it's hard to breathe. I don't know what's going on. Why is everybody looking at me, number one? And why is everybody so sad? Why are they crying? But immediately the ambulance workers began to shine flashlights in my eyes and ask me questions. Do you know who you are? Do you know your birth date? Do you know what happened? And the young man that had been there was crying and saying we were just playing. And it was this whole thing working out. And they decided to bring me into a room and they discussed, do we give her an aspirin? Do we not? <laughs> there was this whole thing. They just, this was 1979 where they were, the what do we do with here. the dead girl yeah. that's alive? Now? Yes. <laughs> and, and we just, just let her go. Know. But, no. but Stephanie, I immediately go to the power of prayer and the power of having great faith because your father had great faith. Like I just, I get teary eyed thinking about him just even saying your name and just how that must have felt for him and calling out your name and for you to respond with, hi, daddy. It's just so beautiful. And, but the power of prayer. And I think if people could understand that as well, even with the woman that was praying and interceding in your home and all the facets that all come together to, to have a part in this miracle, right? That if we would step up in full faith and pray as having the mind of Christ and owning that 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 outcome, I guess you would. God knows our, our days, but you know what I'm saying. So the power of prayer. So what do you tell your congregation now at City Point around prayer? Because you've had the experience of prayer can resurrect. It is something that I'm actually going to preach on this weekend because my anniversary is this Saturday of being raised from the dead. And But something that I share is that there is nothing, absolutely nothing like unity. When the Lord tells us when two or more agree together, he's in our midst that a thing is established, that when we agree on any one thing, you know, that when we ask and keep asking, when we seek and keep seeking, we will find. Because he says, then we'll knock and the door will be opened. And those are the answered prayers. And sometimes we can get even to the point where, God, are you faithful? Like I prayed and it didn't happen the way I thought, or why not? And you know what? 
we don't have those answers always here on earth. I've had people say, why did he raise you from the dead? I'm like, I can't tell you why this and why not someone else or what, except that if somebody has a choice and they're at the gates of heaven and there's a choice to walk in and feel what I felt, they will walk in. He sent me back. And after the fact, when he raised me from the dead and I had asked that question and I saw myself on the bottom of the pool, years later, I began to ask him, other people have gone through experiences like me. And when they hover above their body or whatever, they can see people praying or they can see workers or they can see the trauma of what's going on. I saw nobody. I don't understand why I was alone. And he said to me, Stephanie, didn't you ask me if I saw you and I loved you? I said, yes, I did. And he said, I wanted you to see through my eyes that day that truly I can separate everything else and I can focus on every single one of my children at the same time. And I love you all the same. And he said, I want you to go tell my people that very fact. Tell them that I love them and that I see them. And prayer is a part of that. Because I'll tell you what, when we understand the love of Jesus, we can't help but have that relationship with him. And prayer is a part of a relationship that cannot be broken because a three-strand cord cannot be broken wherever you're at in life, whatever you're walking through, whatever kind of trauma you've been through, whatever kind of fear you've been delivered from, or anxiety that you're walking in right now, prayer and calling on the name of Jesus will make the difference. That relationship will keep you. Yeah. It's the intimacy. Yeah. I think that's probably the key in answering the question that a lot of people ask of God when things don't go the way they want it to go. Whether that's praying for the healing of a loved one who ends up passing away, or a marriage that seems to be broken and praying that God... So there, there are always going to be questions, right, from people who are praying people full of faith. And when it doesn't work out that way, I think two things happen. One is people feel like, did I not have enough faith? And two is, what was God thinking? <laughs> doesn't he know how much this meant? So how do you address that? Because you, I know you get questions like that. Stephanie, how come you and, and all that? So how do you address that? I think you, it seems like you're tying that in with if you really understand how much God loves you, you'll be able to get through that. Again, I, I, don't, I don't know that we can begin to understand all of God's sovereignty and how things are. I, both of my parents, I was a caretaker of both of my parents, and my mama had a lot of health issues for 20 years, and she passed away a few years ago, and then a year and a half later, my dad passed away, and I took care of him until he passed away. And in that process of going, wait a minute, God, you're so faithful. I don't understand why mom's walking through this. You raised me from the dead. I don't understand why my dad, after taking care of mom, but I believe he had a broken heart. They were just so attached, but he ended up getting cancer. And he said, I don't want treatment. I don't, I'm going to go see my wife and I'm going to go see Jesus. But in, which is priceless on one hand. On the other hand, I'm pulling on him like dad. But in that process of not understanding things, what I saw walked out in front of me 
was the faithful of God, faithfulness of God and the love of Jesus. Because no. my parent, oh, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, Stephanie. Because towards the end of my mom's life, even through everything, like she ended up, she went into a coma six years before she passed away and had an experience of almost going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And when she came back, they didn't believe it. They wanted, they said, nobody in ICU can believe that you are walking out of here, but her kidneys didn't come back. So she was on dialysis for six years. And again, why? Don't have the answer, but what I saw God do in that process, his faithfulness, the people that came to Jesus, everywhere my parents went, they lived by that. You better love people. It's the only thing that you can take to heaven with you. And I saw that and I saw the faithfulness and love of God. I watched as my mom before she passed when she had to be in a place, a facility, because she could no longer do anything for herself. We could no longer move her physically on our own. Why? I don't know. But I watched my dad go in every day. They spent breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. And any other time, he continued to work all the way through until he passed. But watch him grab my mom's hands that he did every day of their married life and pray. And what he started with is, Jesus, thank you for being so kind to us. Mm. (laughs) Wow. Thank you for loving us. So when you see that, Mm -hmm. and that even through a day of tears and sorrow, God is still faithful, it pushes away, okay, like that old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Because once you do, the things of the world become strangely dim. And your eyes are focused on him once again. God, thank you for your faithfulness. I don't know how that answers it, but that's what I walked and I saw. So the word of God comes alive for me. Yeah, I think the way it answers it is that we don't have the answer on the side of heaven. And we don't have the words to express heavenly things. It just God is and he's he we can't even express how amazing he is with our words that we have today. But you say that every breath is a breakthrough. And obviously, I love that because I feel like that should be a title of of your book or something. But you experienced that yourself because the breakthrough of the breath after 30 minutes of coming back from being drowned for 30 minutes. And then also just the experience of your parents, right? And every breath is a breakthrough. And every breath that we take day by day and embracing the moments and seeing it through Jesus' eyes allows us to become more like him. And so I love that you are just such a an example through your own life and what you've gone through and how God has allowed you to be here on earth to share his glory in the way that you're doing. So thank you is really what I want to say is thank you. Yeah. Stephanie, I have just a couple of questions. I have actually a lot of questions, but we don't have time for all the questions because there's so much richness in your experience and and just the progression of your faith. You keep mentioning two words over and over, and that is faithfulness and love. And then you quoted from us, John, there's no fear in perfect love because perfect love casts out fear. Nevertheless, in spite of knowing in our head how much God loves us, in spite of knowing how sovereign he is and how faithful he is, why is it we still are bothered by fear? Whether it's just fear of dying or just fear of losing the love of my life or fear of whatever it might be, not getting the job I wanted, fear of feeling I'm not good enough or I don't have enough talent to get through. Fear is just fear, no matter what it's attached to. 
And even though I might in my head know God's faithful and sovereign and he loves me, what can you share with that person who still struggles from time to time with fear they can't seem to get loose from? For me, even in my experience, like I said, I was a shy little girl, except in my home and my church family. But And then having that experience of being raised from the dead, after the fact, an, another part of my story is I had a, some abuse come into my life outside of my home. And when that happened, it silenced me because I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to process it. And the fear that I had just from being shy, the world thinks it's cute to be shy when you're little. But then when you grow up and anxieties and fears are there, it's not cute anymore. And it paralyzes you. And what I've learned through that and the process of healing is that perfect love does cast out fear, which is also torment and anxiety. And that the reason why fear is there is to stop you from being who you are. And that sounds so simple, but if you use your voice, whether it is just in your own home and you're smiling at the people around you and you're saying, good morning, or I love you, that is breaking off fear. And that is changing a generation because if you touch one life, you are changing a generation. And so for me, I began to say in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And the word of God is truly alive and active. And I remember sometimes I think I said it 50 times a day. I had sticky notes that mom gave me. I had a little plaque in my car and I began to declare it, even though I didn't know I was declaring it because I had a miracle. And then I got extremely broken and it silenced me and I was rebuilding. I thought that canceled out the goodness of God and that caused fear. And that fear and brokenness tend to go hand in hand for a lot of people. And so what would you say to that person that is really in a broken place right now? They are where maybe you found yourself with the abuse or whatever situation they're going through. What would you say would be their next step to get free of the fear and the brokenness and to step into who God really has called them to be. So that's where the phrase, every breath is breakthrough came in. And so it actually wasn't that long ago when I had taken care of my mom and we had lost her. She was my best friend. And even though, you know, it's somebody, it was her time. And even though you knew that you're never ready. So lost my mom. And shortly after that is when my dad got ill. And so I began to take care of him. My, my oldest son and his wife had moved in with my parents when my mom was still alive and stayed there. So at night I could go home just when circumstances got tough. And then my middle son and his wife moved in when my dad got ill. So I would be there up to 15 hours a day sometimes just doing, doing what we do when we caretake. And I would do it all over again as hard as it was. God gave me the strength. But when he passed, losing both of them just a year and a half apart and just walking through some of the fear stuff and just I had a major transition in my life at that very same time of ministry and all of that, all happening at once. And then I was the one that went in and I began to clean out my parents' house. And that was several months process. So I was the point 
of an echoing house that I had grown up in since 1979. Boxes going where? I don't know. Because some things you keep and some things you, what do you do? And I was in this process of all the memories and even thinking like, God, they prayed and I'm here. And I'm standing in this house and I was leaning against the wall, no furniture, everything gone. And I was leaning against the wall and I just melted to the floor and I was sobbing, curled up, just crying. I just said, God, maybe you're done with me. Maybe I can't do this anymore. And it caused a type of fear because I had moved out of a ministry I was in and I wasn't doing any of that. My parents were gone. My kids were growing up, getting married. What so it's an identity, I, yeah. identity thing. It was the whole thing. And just, I know you're faithful, but you know, that fear of who am I again? What am I going to do? So I'm weeping on the floor, just crying, sobbing. And I was just telling him, I, I surrender to you. But and whether you ever use me again or not, I don't care. But I just, I'm done. I don't even know what else to do. I feel fear. I feel this. I feel that. And he said, Stephanie, get up. And I was like, get up. I don't want to get up. And this is a conversation actually now in my head. I don't want to get up. What are you talking about? And he said, get up, stand up. So I stood up and I was like, okay, I'm standing. So now I'm, now again, I'm verbaling. I'm standing. What do you want me to do? And he said, take a deep breath. And I went, and tears are still crying. It's the ugly cry. And he said, that's my breath in your lungs. Every day you live. I'm breathing life into you. And he said, Stephanie, every breath is breakthrough. I want you to keep breathing. That's breakthrough. And he said, tell my people that every breath they take is breakthrough. So if today you are hearing this and you were so afraid and you think, God, where are you? I don't understand my life. This has been a pattern all my life or something brand new came in. Like when abuse came in my life, you need to know that every breath is breakthrough that it is God Almighty breathing life into you, that his love is so profound for you that he wrote Psalms 139 in the Bible, go read it, because it's for all of his children. All of his children, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and you have the authority to tell fear to go. And when I began to breathe again, I knew, God, you're there regardless you're there. And breath, I know this, helps to calm the body, whether you're dealing with fear or anxiety, it literally starts to rebalance and keep, drop your blood pressure, all of that, right? So it's a healthy way to, to cope. And so breathing is, yeah, it, it's his breath that we get to breathe, but he gives us breath too, so that we can stabilize. <laughs> and because when we're in fear or anxiety, we tend to hold our breath or breathe shallow breaths and we can't operate in our optimal level that way. So that's so cool. I love that. Every breath is a breakthrough. So cool. Yeah. It's a great reminder, literally when we are praying to just even begin to focus on our breathing and remembering that every breath is a breakthrough because God is not finished with us yet here. And then you start to get restored in your confidence and in your faith and belief and trust that God loves me. He has a purpose for me. I can go forward. We have a friend who just lost his, his brother and it's really hard. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that you just mentioned, I think, are really practical antidotes for getting through these things. And one is to keep concentrating and focusing on the God of love and faithfulness. And that's so rich, Stephanie. We 
really appreciate you living that out and teaching that. Yeah. And the other thing is just to to stay in the word of God and then to speak it out. That that passage that you mentioned in is it first Timothy about I don't have the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind and power and love. These are really practical tools. I'm just I'm talking to myself right now. So when you get into this place where you're afraid or whatever, your faith is wobbly, start speaking out his word out loud so you can be reassured of the truth of who he is. Might be second Timothy one seven. Thank you. That's what I meant. I meant second Timothy. Second Timothy one seven. (laughs) Just saying. I I because I love that passage myself. Okay. Oh, and what's the one in first John? I don't know. Okay. But these are so practical. And Stephanie, just thank you for living it out and, yes. and sharing with others and how to get through that and how to overcome fear and how to have these breath breakthroughs every day. Yeah. Yeah. Would there be one thing that you would want to share with our audience before you leave that could just really um, supply them with just their next breath as well? Because they may be sliding down that wall crying right now as they're listening to this podcast. Yes. One of the scriptures that is very special to me is Psalms 3, 3 and 4, two scriptures actually. And it was when I was on the bottom of the pool, I asked him after the fact, like, how did you keep me? I don't understand how I could stay down there and not breathe, but breathe. And he sent me to Psalms 3, 3 and 4, where it says, for you, O Lord, are a shield around about me, the glory and lifter of my head. And then when you cry out unto me, I will answer you from my holy hill. So I just give that to you that regardless of what you're walking through in life, whether you are breathing, but yet you're not, and you need to breathe again, that God is there and he is a shield around about you. He breathes life into you because he loves you so much. He surrounds you. That's what he did. He said, I was a shield and I breathed life into you When you couldn't breathe in this world, I could breathe for you and in you. And so I just tell you today that you're take a deep breath right now and say, Jesus, you are a shield around about me. You're the glory and lifter of my head. I remember him lifting my head, saying, look into my eyes. And he said, you are my daughter. So today I tell you, look into his eyes. You are his son. You are his daughter. He's pleased with you. He loves you. And I want to say this, if you feel like there is so much sin in your life, he could never love you. I guarantee you, every single person has sinned. Every single person has sinned. So if that's you today, just give it to him, repent. He washes it away as far as the east is from the west. Again, then you be in that shield where he protects you and breathes life into you. When you call out to him, he will answer. Oh, I love it. A true pastor right there. Wow. Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing your heart, sharing your experience and uh, encouraging our audience and uh, equipping them with some tools so that they can break through and take their next breath. So thank you. God bless you. Yeah. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for being on your biggest breakthrough. Blessings. Take care. Oh, wow. NDEs. They're always so hard to uh, even explain. And I think some people are even skeptical at times, right? Yeah. And maybe even if you're listening, you're a little skeptical of this, but I'm thinking 30 minutes, that that is only, uh, that can only be God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is a, that's a true miracle. It's and a uh, miracle you and I read that book and there are other books out there that have documented these near-death experiences, experiences and hers fit right in there. There are yeah. other just incredible stories. It's just a question of you believe it or not. And if you 
If you do, then it can help, I believe it can help begin to work on that fear and help subside that fear so that we can actually look forward to eternity because the love and the experience that awaits us is so much greater than anything we could experience here. Yeah. I, I just love her practical advice too. Yeah. And the way that too. her parents raised her, those are oh, foundational clues that they planted in her. And selfishly, we might've had her on the podcast to help us through our own yeah. conversations about heaven and, and heaven yeah. the fear that we've talked through in our quiet times together. I think the thing that struck me the most, again, right. is that passage in, in First John that yeah. perfect love yeah, casts so out fear. Yeah. And because there. There just is no fear in the presence and the love of God. And that's what we have to keep moving into. Yeah. And I also love that her mom kept saying, take the bad and leave it there. Take the good and make it better. And so that's exactly what Stephanie is doing with her story and also with what she's gone through with her parents and their passing. And she's taken the good with it and making it better by sharing her story and their story and her experience through it so that others can take their next breath. Yeah. So yeah. breathing. Break, breakthrough, breakthrough breathing. breathing. I love it. One moment. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to your biggest breakthrough. I hope this blessed you. If it did, please share it, give it a rating and a review. And if you're looking for a place also to check out her ministries, it's, is it, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Okay. I think it's uh, Beach Ministries. Beast sorry, beshministries.com to find Correct. out more about Stephanie, but we'll put that in the show notes. But if you're in a place of feeling like I'm afraid, I'm stuck, I'm in a place where I cannot break through, then I'm here to assist. If it's with your health and your well-being, you can go to wendypet.com and learn more. Todd is available for mm-hmm. men to mentor young men, and you can go to toddisburner.com yeah. as well yeah. to learn more there. Did so, you mention to tell people to subscribe to? to I did. Okay, I, I you think just I subscribe did. And oh, maybe I just said all that stuff. I think we always gloss over that so quickly, but I just got to. It is important. It. Seriously, <laughs> if you would, whatever platform you listen on, if you could just hit that subscribe or that like button or whatever, so that these notifications come your way. There are some tremendous stories that you want to benefit from. So, really encourage you to subscribe and share it with others. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there. So thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.